Veterans Path, helping veterans find peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor through practical tools like meditation and mindfulness, physical and outdoor experiences, and a community of camaraderie. I'm John McCaskill, a Navy SEAL commander turned mindfulness teacher. Here on the Veterans Path podcast, I interview veterans, athletes, corporate leaders, and many others who found peace through the practices of meditation and mindfulness, breaking down the stigma of pursuing mental health and making it a priority, improving and saving lives. All right, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day. I'm John McCaskill, your host, and thanks for tuning in to the Veterans Path Podcast. This podcast is just a piece of what we do. Veterans Path is actually a nonprofit working to introduce veterans and active service members to meditation and mindfulness, typically in outdoor settings, so they can find a sense of peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. That's where the word path in our name comes from. And the point of this podcast is to make people more aware of what we do to increase support of Veterans Path, increase attendance at our retreats so we're able to help more veterans, and finally, to reduce the stigma around mindfulness, meditation, and seeking mental health support. Listeners and viewers, if you're enjoying the show, please give us a review or a like and share the show with anyone and everyone you think could benefit from our message. Also, you can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. All right. Today, my guest is Army veteran Hugo Gonzalez. Hugo was severely injured in combat in Bakuba, Iraq on June 21st, 2004. He was on patrol in a Hummer bucket truck when his unit was ambushed. The vehicle took a direct hit from an improvised explosive device or an IED and a furious gun battle broke out with insurgents. The blast wave caused Hugo to suffer a traumatic brain injury after fragments ripped into his head. He was evacuated to the base camp where he was placed in a medically induced coma and underwent a craniotomy to remove a piece of bone from his cranium to relieve the pressure of the swelling of his brain. He suffered internal bleeding, a sinus bone fracture, a crushed optic nerve in his right eye and a hole in his left retina. He is legally blind. In 2005, he underwent a cranioplasty to repair his skull defect. The procedure went well, but he suffered multiple seizures requiring long-term therapy with anti-epileptic medications. Now, I pulled that bio off buildinghomesforheroes.org, their website, because it was perfect and it covered a lot of what I wanted to discuss with Hugo today. So I just quickly wanted to give them a shout out and give them credit for the bio here. Building Homes for Heroes gifted Hugo, his wife, and their three children a home in Florida where he's sitting today in October of 2015. Stay tuned as we're going to learn a lot more about Hugo in today's episode of the Veterans Path Podcast. All right, welcome back. As mentioned in the intro, my guest today is Army veteran Hugo Gonzalez. Welcome to the show, Hugo. Hello, John. Hello, everyone over here. It's great to have you with us today. Uh, as I was saying before I hit the record button, um, we, Hugo and I spoke, it must have been January or February. It may, may not have even been in 2020 when we first spoke. And the world has completely changed since we last spoke. So uh, it's good to see you, and I hope that you and your family are, are doing well down there in Florida. Yes, we are. God is so great that uh, we had the opportunity to embrace this tough time in our forever home, uh, thanks to the uh, consideration of so many American patriots that helps uh, our organization building Home for Heroes. Yeah, yeah, that, that's... That's phenomenal, and I definitely want to talk more about that as we get through the show. Learn, learn more about that, share that that uh, that great organization, what it is they're doing with our listeners and other veterans who may be in need of, of similar services. But before we get into that, Hugo, um, can you give us a little bit more background uh, about yourself? I know when we discussed your background prior to the show, you you had mentioned Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic and and how you came to be in the States. Can you backtrack and give our listeners a little bit more information about that? Absolutely, sir. Um, I have always felt strongly 
about our nation military and um, what it takes when they sign that dotted line, knowing the sacrifice that it means. Uh, today, I am a veteran and I was also wounded in Iraq back in 2004 as uh, I was serving in Operation Iraqi Front with the 1st Infantry Division, the military one that I am so proud about. Uh, during that year, 2004, um, we, we received the Valorous Unit Award because of our performance in the line of duty. But uh, none of the missions that we have to accomplish and none of the multiple gun battles that we go through could ever prepare me for the tribulation that lays ahead of me after that night that I got mortally wounded in a dusty alley in the city of Bakuba, Iraq. Uh, that night we got ambushed by the implementation of an IED, commonly known as an improvised explosive device. And of course they catch us by surprise, but we fight like each and every other time that we got engaged in the line of duty. But John, this time, our enemy got a grip of my soul and was pulling it away from me harder than ever. By the time that I was able to hear the ceasefire order, I was already blinded, calling for my mother, honestly scared to death. Thinking you were gonna die. Absolutely, sir. It will be probably the end of a honorable tour of duty, you may think, but in reality, it was just the beginning of the real war. The war that we all carry in the inside. Because the traumas of war doesn't end when the guns stop firing as so many people may believe. I thought that at that time, when I was thinking on all my life passing in front of me, that there will be no more Hugo. I bet, I bet that was uh, scary and confusing uh, all at the same time for you. And what thoughts, besides the fear and confusion, what thoughts were running through your mind? I mean, were you thinking, you mentioned your mother, were you thinking about your children and, uh, and, and your wife at the time? What, what was running through your body? I didn't want to die. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to die. And I knew I was so close to it that I, I called for my mother. And um, at that time, there is, there is nothing clear, but I have the support from uh, the military corps man that was with us. His name was uh, Sergeant Casas. I like to mention him because uh, he was imperative in, for me to be here today. Of course, there were so many prayers, so many people that, uh, that, that as soon as they knew that I got wounded, unite a, in, in this uh, type of meditation that is a prayer. And um, I understand that that was the reason that I was able to be here today. Mm. Wow, yeah, that's powerful. And then after you were pulled off the battlefield, you were put into a medically induced coma. How long were you in that coma and how long was it before you got evacuated out of Iraq back to the States? Yes, as a consequence of that blast, I end up with a penetrating traumatic brain injury, loss of vision in my right eye, and a full thickness macula hole in my left eye retina, that's central vision gone. Among all my wounds, post-traumatic epilepsy and post-traumatic migraines came after. The worst of all has been the severe symptoms of that post-traumatic stress disorder that at the beginning, I, I didn't wanna recognize, much less accept, 
that a soldier like myself got something like that. I spent two years and a half in the Walter Reed Army Medical Center in Washington, D.C. Wow. During that tough time, I was able to interiorize and to learn about my situation, but it took me too much time, even after I get out of the, of the military hospital. At that time, I was uh, with a family of my own, uh, juggling between worries and responsibility, trying to remember when to pay my water bill on time. Oh, wow. And readjusting to the tranquil tempest of my blindness. Not an easy job to do. No, not at all. I can, I can only imagine, uh, or I can't even imagine what that must have been like for you and for your family at the time. Uh, how was your family handling this on their side? Well, John, I'd like to tell you something that you may know that it is not easy to love a warrior, especially a warrior which, whose war will never end. But today I wish that the people around my life during that tough time could comprehend the screaming demon that resides inside of the chest of a wounded veteran. Because each and every day, 21 service members decide to take their own life. Right. That's a suicide each and every 65 minutes. And as sad as it may sound, it may be higher. Because it could be a physical situation, a mortgage situation with their house, a mental situation like uh, we are talking about PTSD at this time, a, that is carrying those feelings of being overwhelmed and depressed. The situation is that uh, we have to find a solution to counterest this epidemic that is afflicting too many of our brothers in arms. That is true. And that's definitely one of the things that Veterans Path is, is hoping to, to help to minimize and mitigate that, that the number of service members or previous service members, veterans, who are taking their own lives, we want to bring that down significantly. I mean, ideally it'd be great to, to bring it down to zero, right? Uh, that's, the, that's the dream. Uh, but if we, can, if we can bring it down by one a day, if we can bring it down by two, that's progress and hopefully we get it down lower than that. The, so the demons that you dealt with, how, how long were, and I'm, I'm assuming you're still dealing with some of those demons, but, how long was it before you were introduced to some type of form of, of meditation or, or uh, treatment that addressed those demons that you, you mentioned? Well, today it's been precisely 278 days, that's nine months and 111 and 20 hours. <laughs> and I have been meditating and uh, that uh, everything changed for me. You know, PTSD is a stressor-related disorder which develops because of a patient exposure to a traumatic event. For us in the military, it is the result of surviving doing something that most people fears to do. A trauma, that is capable to create changes in your brain. And those changes may include insomnia, hyper arousals, feeling overwhelmed and depressed, and um, is completely going against the quality of your life. Unfortunately, 
on top of our suffering as veterans, there is something that I believe too much, John, that is the secondary post-traumatic stress disorder is real. And it is a plague that is afflicting the ones that we perhaps love the most. Our daughters, our sons, our wife. During this last 16 years, we have been struggling with this silent hunter that I consider it is the PTSD. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I can tell you that from the first nine, nine years, we didn't even have a clue of why it is that Hugo react this way. I don't even have a clue of why it is that this type of things make me react that way. Why it is that I cannot control myself. Why it is that if I truly love them so much, I am capable to make them suffer so right. much. This is questions that bothers you beyond the dark tunnel when you that you get when you when you when you when you get into this uh, uh, line of no return. Okay, so after nine years, then I took the decision to accept that I have a problem, and that that problem have a name and have a reason. But that acceptance didn't fix it because that acceptance came with treatment through the VA, through the PTSD clinic that I appreciate them so much. That acceptance came with a cocktail of medicines that uh, at the end of the day, God knows what they were actually doing to my body. Right. Medicines that I took as a last result because they were doing some uh, effect, positive effect, but that effect also have a reaction. Sure so noticeable, so palpable, so obvious that uh, I, didn't, I didn't like to take them. Then to go to the point, precisely in August the 1st, 2019, I hit rock bottom. Wow, so just and last year. That's just last year, yeah. I hit rock, rock bottom. We are here in confidence. I feel comfortable and I want everybody to know. That day, I had a situation with a customer service representative over the phone that uh, couldn't comprehend the situation that I, that I was uh, claiming. And, and uh, that person result to, mock, to what I believe she was mocking me. And mocking, making, she was mocking you? Mocking me. Oh, wow. And uh, in a funny way, laughing, she just said, go and buy another, ha ha, and hung up. Wow. I feel completely uh, disrespected. I feel completely frustrated. And I, I needed to elevate the situation and call again and need to talk to someone, you know? Right. We are military and we believe in the in the in the in the line of of, of uh, chain of command. Chain of command. And uh, so my calls, when I was getting back to my calls, I was reaching a dead end in which they were hanging up on me. My frustration level came up, you know, my wife came in here. This is what you what where we are right now is what we call the sanctuarium, because Building Home for Heroes created in a way that no sounds get in, no sounds goes out. 
So wow. I can retrieve here to contrarrest my severe PTSD symptoms. And here I was uh, dealing with that situation. My, was, my wife was outside with my three daughters and uh, they knew it was not with them. But John, let me tell you that the firefight in Bakuba was that little comparison to what was going on inside this room. Wow. Because I don't know what I was touching. I only know that I was distracting, screaming, bad words. You see, I turned down the door. It was, I was completely out of control. Yeah. So much out of control that my wife confessed that she felt fear. Mm. Right there, that's abuse. Right. So she took the decision to step out of the house to prevent the girls to experience this outburst. By the time that I fall down to my senses, all the damage was done. My family was end of three hours away from here, and wow. I found myself alone with a big feeling of guiltiness. Sure. So, so dark, in a, such a dark place, that I don't have the creativity to explain it to you at this time. God is so great that next day I miss an important appointment with my PTSD doctor. And he resolved to call me and he found me in that situation. And I said, if you wanna, if you wanna know how it feels or how it is like when I am in my worst, today it is. Together we work and uh, they call her and uh, we agree that she needed to bring me to the office and she agreed. We get an appointment and by the time that we got that appointment, we already settled the situation, but I did not feel in peace. So, I decided on my own to conquer the the back porch, a backside in the in the in the air in the house that uh, building home for heroes also took in consideration a place where we could have an outdoor living uh, with a very beautiful with a fireplace and a little fountain to counterrest my tinnitus. Right. And, and uh, a water fountain, uh, this is uh, becoming almost a standard for all the veterans now, but I have it too. So I was retrieving to that place just to be in silence. Right. And through some knowledge that I have from my past, I used to practice some yoga, but uh, like, 15, 14 years ago, I was looking for some information in YouTube and uh, how to do it. I was auto-guiding myself in order to follow some instructions on how to do it. And uh, uh, slowly but surely, I found myself retrieving to my special place outside three times a day in the morning, 12 a day, 12 noon, and um, around 6 p.m. But also each and every time when needed. Mm -hmm. I catch myself uh, retrieving myself for one hour and 40 minutes at a time, or getting down from my room at 3 a.m. in the morning because I just couldn't sleep. And I needed to go back there in order to bring myself down from that tough, a, a train of thoughts that was right. impeding me to, to fall asleep. So uh, I found myself within that period of time, within that month, getting deeper and deeper. And I learned about, I was implementing the mindfulness that 
that, that, that they were giving me in the VA. And deeper and deeper, I was all of a sudden knowing about a Buddhist meditation. And, uh, and I learned about uh, asanas. And mm -hmm. uh, I learned about uh, postures and breathing, breathing techniques. And uh, when I was about to realize, I already hear or think that I knew about um, Kundalini meditation, visualization, and everything. And um, there were some, there were some uh, uh, strong changes that my wife were noticing that uh, it, it was working on me. Uh, and that's when I realized that if I want to keep that path, I needed the guidance of, uh, of another person that knew more than I did. I needed the guidance of a person that could uh, direct me to the right, through the right uh, direction uh, because I was doing it on my own. So I start making a research of uh, meditation teachers or uh, a meditation studio around my area over here in Port San Lucie, Florida. And that's when I first encountered that there is such a thing as transcendental meditation. Right, yeah. When I was still trying to process whatever were coming out of my computer that is, is re being written for me. And uh, I was already a, a getting the, the notification that I have a chat. And that chat was somebody, I started talking to that person in there that was trying to link me with a certified transcendental meditation teacher. Nice. And I, and I find out that they that we have a transcendental meditation center near where I live in Biro Beach. Yeah. Oh, and um, a, quickly I found myself uh, talking to Mr. John Porter, a transcendental meditation teacher that today is my friend, and uh, he happens to to receive instructions directly from Maharishi Mahesh Jogi back in the back in the 60s mm. I, I was so unfortunate so uh, the first thing that, that that he told me was the that I needed kind of like uh, put aside everything that I that I learned so far and come with a with a with an open and blank book for this and um, we concertate uh and agree of four days of instructions in which in the first day i was already meditating with the instructions that that he gave me and uh it was a challenge for him because uh i am considered his first a, a blind person a student mm -hmm. and um during that course of those four, four days, I completed my first eight meditations. And then they quickly realized that in order for me to have a better result on my practice, that it will be imperative for my wife and my three daughters to be instructed to. That's so great. they so they provide as a consideration for me being a veteran. They provide with their instructions, and uh, with our blessing, we agree on if they want it that our daughters too uh, got instructed. And today, you can find ourselves meditating twice a day. Every day. That's fantastic. I don't, I don't miss not even one day. The only, the only way that I can describe you what is going on in our home in school days, in morning time, is like an orchestrated ballet. 
<laughs> because it. it is that impactful when you are able to transcend that means go beyond the source of all your thoughts and uh, get immersed in that place that, that it is called the unified field of pure consciousness, you are capable to get rid of all your traumas, of all the tensions, of all those conflicts that you are bringing since your childhood, not to say during your wartime, and as a consequence of that clearance from the source of your thoughts to the place where your thoughts are finally being processed is when everything comes clear. That's beautiful. I love it. Hugo, how old are your daughters? Well, I have the blessing that uh, we have a set of twins oh, congrats. Uh, that just turned 14. And uh, we have a 12-year-old girl that uh, will turn 13 this uh, July the 28th. It's a, wow. it's a, it's a big blessing. And you then got your we hands have, full. We have our hands full. And uh, <laughs> the, the situation is, young that when, when there, is some, there is a meditator in your home, everything changed that 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 meditation that just that person is investing in the himself going to learn about himself going within is affecting positively everybody else inside the house not to say all around the place it's like a little it's like a little rock that get into a pond and that pond gets like uh, a, the ripples. A, a ripples, the ripples goes beyond to every part of the pond. The same way when you meditate and you get access to the unified field of pure consciousness, the source of unbounded creativity, unbounded energy, unbounded love, everything that was impossible impossible become possible and as a consequence of that you are happy right yeah absolutely so the the reason i asked about the the age of your daughters um i'm assuming that they were in school the last time that we spoke and now uh they're not in school because of of the coronavirus um how has that been for you as a family and and has meditation helped with that uh that aspect of things oh my goodness john it's been a big challenge a I'm big sure. challenge that uh represent a big joy at the same time because of of the way that everything got implemented i like to bring up again how much bless I feel to being able to be in the life of my daughters and, and because of the type of girls they are. I'd like to let you know that uh, once they got established, their distant learning, they, they wake up every day on their own to be on time for a classes at eight. But before that, they do 15 minutes of, of, of meditation, which is what is required for them because of their age. Adults, we do 20 minutes. They do 15 minutes. And then they feel recharged to go and tackle the classes. Right. But uh, there were something going on that with social media, they were uh, too much aware of what their other friends and peers were doing. And uh, uh, some people uh, was not taking the pandemic uh, as serious as we did. Mm -hmm. And uh, they get information about uh, 
play days, about uh, beach days, or about uh, going to purchase on uh, fast food, things that we were not doing. Right. And um, not even a single time I received a word of why we are not. Instead of that, we established the board games night and um, we, the, the most beautiful thing for you to see is uh, to see these girls getting out of their center to adapt a board game so I can play with them. Yeah. Uh, so what does that entail? I mean, what, what, do, what types of adaptations do they have to make so that you can play? Well, the only thing is that it's not longer one against one. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, they, they, we, no matter how much transparent we wanted, there were two minds against one. <laughs> so, but they, but they, they permit that, that, uh, okay, so we, we kind of establish a strategy. So my choice, she executes. So I was able to delegate on whoever. They kind of fight which one wanted to be with daddy. <laughs> I love it. So, and beyond that, uh, they ask for an uh, inflatable pool, and we, pl we place an inflatable pool in my, in my, my back porch, not longer mine. <laughs> so, so we put an inflatable pool so they can just, uh, you know, something, something small but enough for yeah. the four of us to fit in there. And um, we also established Saturday karaoke nights in where we were able to tackle a two tasks at the same time because of course we were having fun of course we were sharing some time together but they were able to practice their spanish oh nice because they were singing spanish songs among their english songs also but a karaoke night was a plus and that I that. we were able to go for four months in uh, seclusion. That's great. That's very creative of you guys. Uh, I mean, it sounds like that your daughters are some fine young women and that they were reaching into their creative spaces in their minds and their, their hearts to include dad in the game night, include dad in the, in the pool and include dad in the karaoke. Um, so well done to you and your wife for raising some fine young ladies there. Um, and uh, good, good for them for including dad. So uh, hopefully you had a great Father's Day. Father's Day was yesterday, and if I remember correctly, when we first talked about this, let's see, uh, today is June 22nd. I think you had mentioned June 21st was actually the, the anniversary of your incident. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It is a, it is a special day, a, a day that we commemorate it's a commemoration of, of, the, of the beauty of life. My situation is very particular because even though that the official mission is written on June 21st, we got out to that particular mission after the curfew to enforce the curfew after 11. But the reality is that I got wounded in around 1 a.m. in the morning. Oh, so... Wow. So it is kind of like, uh, it is kind of like June 21st and June 22nd. Yeah. To, to me, it's still, go, it's, it's still going on. So uh, it is a special day. It is the, the, the summer solstice. And uh, that add to it, uh, to, to the, whole, the whole blessing of being alive, which is the most important thing of all. Because by being alive, you have the opportunity to become the better, the best that you can be. Right. And that's the, in the, the main intention of why we are here, to explore and uh, to reach our maximum level of capacities. And uh, as long as we have in our body all those uh, uh, conflicts and all those uh, ramifications that are uh, impeding the pure thought to 
to came from the source of thoughts directly to your mind to be processed, uh, we are not going to be capable to reach the full potential of our humanity. Okay? Once we get rid of all these uh, this, uh, conflicts that we have inside, uh, everything else become possible is an unbounded possibilities of more creativity and uh, creativity is the key of everything because what i just said with creativity the impossible all of a sudden become possible because you find a way to do it okay i cannot go through but i can go around <laughs> and i am so happy about it that I don't have the chance to feel or to remember the nightmares and pestilence of war. Okay, today I can tell you, with nothing left is in in my soul, that the the tensions, the intensity that I used to feel in my chest. It's not anymore. And the solution was getting access to the deeper and deeper and deeper levels of my mind. And the way that I am getting guaranteed access there each time is with the implementation of a mantra. A mantra as a word that is more as a sound that is a vibration. It's a word that we, that I've been given to, that is available, that lore the mind inwards. Because the mind is like a, it's like a humming bee that goes from flower to flower. And the, the, only, the only time that you get to see a humming, a humming bee a peaceful and quiet and still is when she reached the flower that interests her. The same thing with your mind. You can see it when you are reading a book and uh, all of a sudden uh, music or another conversation goes behind. You get completely out of the book and your mind goes to where really interests her. And the thing that the mind likes better is happiness and the deeper level of your mind that you get access more the more happiness you will find it's like an ocean in where no matter how big of the waves there are in the top the lower that you go in that ocean the calmer it is right so when you reach the bottom of it there is nothing else but transcend that means goes beyond and that's what happened when you uh, implement this uh, scientific technology because uh, a transcendental meditation is not a philosophy it's not a religion it's not a cult it is just an exercise like uh, like a set of push-ups that you're gonna do in order to get rid of all the 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 stuff that you have stored in, in inside of you and that way you can dissipate those things and clear and thinking clearer sometimes you have the intentions that okay as soon as i get to see john mccaskill i'm gonna tell him the beautiful day it is but when you see john mccaskill all of a sudden a if an hour went through and you didn't get to tell him how beautiful the life that day was because you have too many things inside of you that is not giving a clear and open access from the source of your thoughts to your brain right and but once again with the with the uh, the most uh, constant and accurate that you are and uh, discipline that you are in your meditation, the better and the clearer 
that, that everything will come in the fastest and the straight that your mind will go straight to that same place that it is yours to go. It's right there for you to get access. It is it, with this simple technique, if there is no requirement of any special posture, there is no requirement of any a, a special situation because uh, I found myself transcending 30,000 feet in, in an airplane or in, the, in, in sitting in a mall. It is that simple. Nice. That's great. You go, uh, your, your energy, uh, I love your energy here and I, I'm getting a lot from it. I want to, uh, I want to talk about the image that you sent to me um, about a week ago. And it was an image that I understand was taken immediately after the, the injury. Um, and, and I'm going to use that to promote this episode, but I want to talk through it as well. It looks as though you're praying in this image, and it was captured, I think you mentioned, by a New York Times photographer or maybe a Washington Post, and you, you mentioned uh, it was one of the, the photographs of the year. Do you remember uh, like the details exactly about that image and when that was taken, and did you know it had even been taken when it was taken? Oh my goodness, John, a powerful picture. A powerful picture that says that, uh, when the when the when when a man reached the the toughest his toughest hour, there is nothing else but looking for the highest one. Okay, I didn't knew about the picture. I was not aware of nothing were going on at that time, but I get to talk to Mrs. Andrea Budal which was the correspondent for Washington Post back in 2004. And that day of that mission that we went out in a, a looking for IEDs or an IED fabric, a, she was embedded with us for the full day, 24 hours. And uh, one thing that I remember for sure is our first sergeant telling her after the briefing, and hopefully tonight we give you a firefight. She <laughs> certainly got it. You know how we are in the army. She certainly got it. But um, a, the one thing that, that, that she let me know is that um, a, a, she was telling the, the people that got injured and the pass away that night that uh, everything will be okay. Everything will be okay. And um, when she gets to me, she stayed with me all the way through. And, and, um, she said that I was combative. And each and every time that I, they were pulling me back, trying to, trying to, to start uh, assessing my situation, I only went back up, giving, making this position. Wow. That I understand today it was me giving thanks or asking for, for mercy. And that mercy was given, obviously. But 16 years passed in order for me to fully grasp the meaning of that particular mudra that I was presenting. One year later of that event, Andrea Woodall find myself in a, in a hospital bed in Washington DC Army, Walter Reed Army Medical Center. And she sit with me for a few hours. And before she left, she said, Hugo, I wanna give you 24 hours of my work so you can have a recollection of what happened on wow. that particular day. And that's the way that I can, there's many pictures than that. She, she took the whole thing that I can, I can let you, I can share it with you. So you, so you have a, a full understanding on, on how impactful that was. But uh, she was so gentle 
that she handled me 24 hours of her work so I have a recollection of what happened before, during, and after my injury. Wow. Not a lot of people have that. Not a lot of people have that. That is amazing. It certainly is, and I, and I praise my Lord for that. Yeah, definitely. Well, Hugo, uh, moving from that to the uh, building homes for our heroes, how, how long after you were injured uh, were you connected with them, and then, and then how did you end up in the house that you're in? Yes, uh, well, B Building Home for Heroes is a, a national nonprofit organization dedicated to create uh, uh, changes in the, in the life of uh, critically injured wounded veterans and their families. And the way that they create that uh, impact and save life is by either building or modifying homes for the veterans with the particular uh, uh, specification of the injury of that particular veteran, and then they gifted mortgage-free. Wow. wow. Okay. Build, what a blessing. Build. It is a. It is. It is a. It is a. It is a big blessing to have the opportunity to being close to my family, upbringing our sons and daughters to being. Um, uh, uh, ex exemplary citizens of our society because they have both father and mother present, present in their in their in their um, in their life. Uh, build, building home for heroes is making sure that the, that the presumption of a homeless veteran living in a big city sidewalk is something from the past. And uh, just today, they were able to, to gift it 250 homes. And wow. this year, we are going after 250 homes more. You know, each and, each and every veteran that, that, that you were able to help, to me, is like a big redwood that you're going to plant in the middle of a community that will grow big and it will grow tall for everyone to see and for everyone to got shelter and shade underneath. That's the way I visualize it. I may lose my sight, but I have enough vision to get to see the big impact that this organization Building Home for Heroes is having on the recovery process of every veteran that we touch. So, uh, I, I, I believe that, um, that uh, uh, the veterans, any, any successful businessman could have, would like to have a veteran within their lines. Because even that, uh, those, some of those veterans may be in their 20s. In reality, they are like in 40s <laughs> because right. of their experience and their military background, you know, because we have been forged in fire, right. okay? We are the ones that uh, don't run away from the bullets. We go towards the bullets. And I don't see a businessman that do not want that. <laughs> right, right. That's fantastic. So uh, you said we a few times there, Hugo. Are you uh, working with Building Homes for Heroes? Are you part of the organization now yourself? Oh, my goodness. I am the Port San Jose, Florida, Building Home for Heroes 2015 mortgage-free home recipient. And this is something that it will never change. And um, once, you are, once, once you receive this type of gift, there is no way around but to make it happen again. Nice. Because I can, because I, I can, I can see it every day, the impact that is having on my family as well as many other families. 
You know, we have, we have veterans that uh, they are falling under what I like to call the building home for heroes effect. It is so powerful, John, that is taking veterans all the way to the top of uh, Mount Denali. Wow. Amputee, the one, the fem of a female, a Marine, Sergeant Marine, one of a amputee, one of my personal war heroes going all the way to Mount Denali to establish and, and a precedent what it is possible after a traumatic injury. Personal war hero. Uh, another Sergeant George Vera, for example, competing in the in the Paralympic Games and getting and getting medals here right and left, right and left. And also at the same time, a, a bringing a family together. It's beautiful to see my personal war hero, Sergeant Wilkins Castillo, from the from the uh, the winter winter sports game. Bringing bringing medals also over here, all supported by our organization, Building Home for Heroes, because you are mentioning it. Yeah. Okay. That's fantastic. Sergeant, Sergeant Aaron Hale. A personal war hero after losing his sight, losing his uh, his his ear because he was from EOD, the explosives ordinance. He had a resurrection in his life, and now he is uh, uptaking his chef career. And they have now they have a business of chocolate. Wow! <laughs> so tasteful. <laughs> so delicious that I don't want to say you die for, but <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is what I call the building home for heroes effect, uh, John, and uh, I would like everybody to know. Well, I'll make sure you know when we advertise this episode to recognize building homes for heroes, and it'll also be in the show notes on the audio version and on YouTube. So thank you for sharing all that, Hugo, about Building Homes for Heroes and the Building Homes for Heroes effect. Uh, they are uh, an amazing organization, and I'm, I'm so glad that you personally have benefited from, from it, and then you know those who have also benefited from it. Um, as far as the, the conversation today, Hugo, is there anything else that you would like our listeners to, to know or hear about? Well... I like to I like to appreciate the honor that you bestow on me by having in this a platform so meaningful, so needed, and I like all the veterans, my brothers and sisters in arms, to let them know that there are possibilities. That look in the inside, that the follow the path of the ancient wisdom that says, "For long time ago, know yourself." Look within, okay? Because you, we all know you knock in the door and will be open, okay? Once you dedicate yourself 15, 20 minutes a day to just enjoy the silence, everything else will fall in place. And hopefully we will be able to conquer this silent hunter that it is, uh, it, must sacrating our veterans and their families one shot one kill not anymore we have a we have a way we have a way and we have a source within ourselves to conquer this silent hunter without appeal without medicine you are the light keep pushing forward in your veterans path <laughs> well, thanks so much, Hugo. I, I really appreciate that. And, and uh, again, your energy has been uh, infectious today. So thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing your energy with us. And thank you for sharing your transcendental meditation with us. Um, if, if listeners wanted to get a hold of you uh, and ask you questions afterwards about this or about building homes for heroes, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Absolutely, it will be my greatest pleasure to get to to get to share more about it. Uh, it will be through the Facebook, I guess. Through Facebook, okay, <laughs> great. Well, I'll make sure uh, we uh, we put your Facebook address on the uh, on the notes, 
And uh, yeah, that's it, Hugo. If uh, if you got anything else for us, if not, we'll uh, we'll call it a day. So thank you for your time, man. Thank you once again. Oh, and you know there are better ways. There yeah. are better ways. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, Hugo. Until we speak again, stay safe and stay healthy. The best thank to you, you and your family. Thank you. For our listeners, thanks for listening to our show. Please check out Veterans Path online at veteranspath.org. We too are on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends and family. And remember, listeners can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Thank you all and have a blessed day. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Veterans Path Podcast. Please follow us on social media and think about sharing your story with us there and potentially on the show. Together, we can make mental health a priority, improving and saving lives. 